And he pastored there in St. Louis for 38 years and uh, has since transitioned out, turned the church over, now has a ministry to ministers. And uh, I thought it'd be great if he could come and share his ministry with you. And so if we could welcome Pastor Hal Santos. God bless you. Awesome. 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 Be kind. Thank you. Thank you. And what, what's your name again? Crusan. Wasan? I thought, man, go for it. <laughs> it is good to have everyone in Preacher Wasan. <laughs> Preacher Wasan. They'll never believe you that you don't like to get up in public and talk. <laughs> Before I share, I want to tell you my, our love for your pastor and his wife is equally the same. Pam and I are on an interesting journey, as he shared. I pastored the same church Pam and I did for 38 years outside of St. Louis on the east side of the river in Illinois by East St. Louis. And uh, we took it from a guy that was there 25 years. Anybody can go 25 years, but by the grace of God, we went 38. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so he was legendary in the day and age that I met him and was a part of my life, our lives. And uh, then we got to pastor the church. We went there for six months to help out, and uh, after... Six months, that was the longest six months of our lives we'll ever be able to give anywhere. <clears throat> and so he went to India, came back, along with the elders, asked us to be the next pastors of the church, and that's how it uh, started to evolve and work out. But I, we learned a whole lot of things. In that whole process, you get to meet a whole lot of people, a whole lot of guys you envy, you uh, really appreciate. And so then, uh, as he shared, as Pastor shared, I got a chance to meet him through SAMA. And uh, Pam and I are praying for pastoral couples. We do everything by couples, not just men, not just women, by couples. And uh, as far as our, um, ministry, we're involved in as far as for her and I and accountability. So we asked the uh, pastor and his wife to be uh, accountability, just ask any questions you want to. Let me tell you how accountability works. And this might help you if you just do a token accountability, it's fine. But real accountability starts with a big, with a first principle, and it's this. The truth is more important than the friendship. If you're my friend and you let me get away with a lie or something because you didn't want to hurt my feelings or I really know the guy, he wouldn't do that, then that's not accountability. That is a basic friendship that lets us all get away with something. So when I uh, became real popular back in the day for the men's group this here <clears throat> and the ladies group for us to have these accountability groups, but how many times we kind of let lies get by? That's not what I'm going to talk about, but I want to encourage you in that. So your pastor and his wife, we, I asked them, Pam and I, on behalf of Pam and I, some months, well, over a year ago, to say when we get into this next venture, we're going to need accountability. We won't go out to scale out there by ourselves. And so they agreed to it. If they didn't, they were going to do it anyway because they're very honest. I was raised in Cleveland, Ohio. Have you ever heard of big, the big city of Cleveland? Right in Cleveland. When Jesus comes back will be when the Browns uh, win the Super Bowl. And so be careful because we got a decent start this year. They kind of blew it the other night with Pittsburgh, but that's okay. And uh, so I was raised there on the west side of Cleveland, in Cleveland Prosper. I went to Proper. I went to Rhodes High School, graduated in 75. And in the uh, whole process of that, at 15 years old, I was sitting on my front porch. Three guys came by, Steve. Steve, Michael, and Richard came by, and they started talking to me about Jesus. So I told them there the first week of July 1971, 
I said to them, I'd like to give Jesus a try. They said, you can't give Jesus a try. You give him a commitment. So I gave him a commitment 52 years ago, and it's been growing ever since, and it's been uh, full of purpose. But in that whole process, I had my own dream. God doesn't mind us dreaming, but then he redefines our dream. My dream was to play for the Ohio State Buckeyes. I'm sure you've heard of them. And then uh, the Cleveland Browns, to play for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, it didn't, uh, I'm basically the same size I was now, that I am now that I was in the ninth grade. So there was some purpose, some hope, but I stopped growing. But this is where I stopped at, and I'm fairly happy with it. I mean, very happy with it. And so I really planned on doing that. Some of us went down. We were looking for, hoping for a scholarship. I'm not, trying, I'm not going to exaggerate that I had the ability to get a scholarship at uh, Ohio State University, but I had a chance to come visit Woody Hayes, the um, legend. Got a chance to meet him, talk to him a little bit, and then uh, right in the midst of that, some days later, the Lord spoke to me to go to a little college in San Antonio, Texas, where they had no sports. And I have no uh, regrets of it at all. After all, the Lord can do whatever he wants to do within our lives. I appreciate what Pastor has to share about teams, because trust is what turns a group of people into a team. And as you start trusting each other and trusting what the Lord's called you to do. So I went to Bible college. That's where I met Pam. Uh, she chased me for about two of the first two of the years, her uh, freshman and sophomore year. Then her junior year, my senior year, she finally convinced me that I should marry her along with, you know, she's a really nice gal. She's from Louisiana. And our menu tonight of what we're going to be sharing is the first four points I'll be sharing about faith is. And then uh, she'll take the fifth one and you'll understand by her accent is a lot different. She says, uh, hail, and if she yells it out the back door at the house, it sounds like. <laughs> and so I tell her, Pam, people around us don't read the Bible, so they don't know that it's a Bible word. You're just, you know, talking. So you'll be able to tell she eats uh, things like uh, uh, fish stuff, things that stink really bad, uh, all that kind of thing, which i really not interested in learning how to do crawfish, which we used to take a piece of bologna, put it on a string, and get it down in Cleveland to get them up. That was our entertainment. And uh, they eat those things. Not a good deal. So here we are in Hebrews chapter 11. would encourage you to turn there with me. Hebrews chapter 11. Be praying for us October the 28th through November the 22nd. We're going to be going to Kenya and then from Kenya to uh, Uganda. And we're going to be there, I'm just figuring it out, it's pretty close to four weeks, uh, October the 28th, and come back on November the 22nd. It is an opportunity we have from some missionaries that we support, the mills, we're going to be going with them. And it's really tr- teaching a group of pastors, transitioning your churches, transitioning your ministry, because they're getting old and there's younger folks in line that could do, uh, take it where... God wants it to go, so it's sharing with those guys, but it's also spending time with about 150 pastors and doing what we do. What we do is, as Pastor shared, uh, minister to ministers, pastor, minister to pastors, minister to pastors and their wives. Uh, he can tell you, and his wife can tell you, after you've been someplace, and you could say it too, you're someplace for a long time, people who start out as something want to talk to you, because you got 30 years in somewhere, 38 years. It doesn't just happen. It, it takes place. 
And so we're going to be doing that. I encourage you to be praying for us as we start this new endeavor. And we'll sprinkle this in this message a little bit here too, Pam, when she shares a little bit of what, what happens. Faith is a def- this defining moment in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. Everybody say, he is. He is. And that he is. He is. He is. A rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He is is he is when we look at this challenge of that he he is faith is what we learn when we take the step of faith to follow christ faith is not a desire faith is not pretending faith is not assuming that god is hearing faith is knowing that he's there faith is really seeing god for a definition seeing god seeing life from god's viewpoint faith Faith is not something we say, we repeat a scripture all the time, all the time, till we finally get our faith up. Faith is surrendering to he who wrote the scripture, that he knew what he was talking about. Faith comes when we, in uh, different ways, start to see that it is not a bargaining with God. God, you do this, I'll do that. God, you do that, I'll do this. It's not a bargaining chip. It's not a mantra. <clears throat> faith is not a feeling. Faith is when we take life from God's viewpoint. He sees it, he gives us instruction in it, and he displays it within our life. Six things I'm going to share out of Hebrews chapter 11. There's a whole lot more than that, but we're just going to hit the high points because we might have, what's your name again? Wasan. What's going on? Wasan. Okay. She might have to come up and close it out or something. Wasan. That's a cool name. What does that mean? Is there a meaning for Wasan? Oh, right on. That's what my mom used to say. Oh. Wasad. Wasan. Did I say it right? No. Okay. I'll say, hey, flower. Okay. Roses. You like roses? No. <laughs> believing when I don't see it. Faith is believing when I don't see it. Verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Here's the purpose of the, this whole scripture here you have heard so many times. But in the richness of it is, remember that faith is seeing life from God's viewpoint. It is taking those times of discouragement. If you're discouraged tonight, if you're disappointed. How many of y'all have ever been disappointed in somebody? And they were a Christian? And it's somebody you loved, and they just wouldn't listen to you. You're in the right place. Now, this faith that is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, this not seen, this vision, is that God has a purpose. We have a grandson. He's very intelligent. Our granddaughter's very intelligent. I'm sure all you, yours are also. But our grandson's name is Finley. He was named after my mother's uh, maiden name, Finley. And uh, he started to display a unique uh, knowledge, you know, brains. You could tell it just when he's around me how smart he is. Uh, he has pretty much proper English when he talks. He's always correcting his English. Uh, and this is the reason why. He wants to be an aerospace engineer and he wants to be the director of NASA. He's 14, he wears a size 14 shoe. I hope it stops there, but how big does a tree grow? It's big as it's supposed to grow. And uh, in talking to him, he said a statement to me some time ago. He said this, <clears throat> keep in mind, Popsy, that's what he calls me, Popsy. He says this, vision 
always demands a response. And a response always demands a vision. Vision is how we're going to do it. This response is why we should be doing it, the vision of it, why we're doing it. That's what Paul is writing to the church. This is vision here. This is not an announcement or declaration. This is vision. This is what the church is supposed to look like as we see these different folks go through different things. The vision really does demand a response. Uh, Whenever you raise your hand and say, I'm going to do something, then you raise your hand because it's a response. You caught the vision of what's being said. He's trying here to say to them, let's catch the vision. That this belief is an action. It's to rely, trust, adhere to, do, do, anticipate. And really this whole faith is when we're up on our tiptoes and we're looking with our chin out, waiting for the greatest thing to take place in our life, faith. Some have become here disappointed. You're disappointed in somebody, something, or somewhere, something that took place a long time ago, something you lost control over or you don't have control. We need faith in a substance. It's a substance that we see life from God's viewpoint. Nothing ever happens to us unless it flows through the Father's hands. Nothing, absolutely nothing. You can take the word disappointment, write it on a piece of paper, and when you get to the place where it says, where, where the D is, cross out the D and put an H, his appointment. Keep in mind, your disappointments are his appointment. And if you don't like the way it is right now, if you don't like what God has fixed you to help us to grow, then he'll fix us another fix. You can't fix some things for your kids, for your wife, for your husband. You can't fix things for your neighbor. You can't fix any of those things because God designs Areas of our life, as we see in Hebrews chapter 11, that there is vision there that demands a response. It is about us. I'm 67, so I'm a lot, it's a lot easier. I know you didn't think I was over 66, but I am 67. <laughs> what happens to us is by the direction, and may I use the word rebuke, of the Holy Spirit, he uses this on me sometimes. 52 years of being a Christian. Son, you got to grow up got to grow up. Just grow up. Here we see in this believe when you don't see it, this is when we, time is to grow up. Turn to somebody, tell them to grow up. I won't look who you're talking to because I don't want this, you know, no facial things going on. <clears throat> Matthew 21, 22 says, what, whatsoever things you ask for in prayer, believing, you will receive them. Seeing in advance is believing in advance. Believing that God's going to do something far better than we could ever come up with ourselves. Believing when I don't see it. Romans chapter 10, verse 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It is this whole working it out greater than we can do on our own self. Ephesians 1.18, he says at the end of the verse, the wonderful promises that God has done. He already has done for us. And as we're growing, he's causing them to, to work. I started to write down some things. What do I believe? I encourage you to do the same thing. Grab the, what the church believes here. If you don't know what they believe, grab it, read it, memorize it, think about it, work on it, and keep in mind it's about us growing. It's not about us stagnating. It's not about us staying the same. It's not about us looking the same. It's about change. Everybody say change. The reason is, he is. Believe. 
We believe the entire Bible because it's inspired by God without error and the authority of the Holy Spirit as he wrote it in faith and conduct and doctrine that we should live. Believe. We believe that there is one God that is in three distinct persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe. Everybody say, we believe. believe. Jesus Christ is the Son of God when he came to earth as the Savior of the world. We believe that that Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood for our sins. We believe that Jesus rose from the dead and is coming again. Go Browns! Oh, that's not in there. We believe that the the eternal salvation we found only by placing our faith in Jesus Christ and what he has done for us on the cross. It's already done. He's saying, have faith, grow, flourish, have vision. We believe that water baptism is a public display of an inward experience. We believe that regularly taking taking communion is an act of obedience And then saying a demonstration to ourselves and other believers that we believe that Jesus Christ really died and rose again. We believe that every believer should be growing in their relationship with Jesus Christ and obeying God's word, yielding to the Holy Spirit, and by being conformed to the image of Christ. You thought you should act like your father, your mother, your sister, your brother. That's secondarily. It is into the image of Christ. And remember, he will do whatever it is, disappoint you. Change the D to an H to put his appointment. He will disappoint you. Jesus will? No, we didn't trust him. We didn't have the faith. We disappointed ourselves because he didn't do what we wanted him to do. My prayer life sometimes is, God, if you could just do this, your life would be easier. I would stop bugging you. <laughs> life would be a little bit more calmer, and I would come out ahead. You would come out even better because of the testimony is there. doesn't work that way. Here's number two. Obeying when I don't understand it. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to the place where he would receive the inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Have you ever been there? Anybody besides me? Thank God for GPS. Now, I will say this. Pam and I, when we uh, stepped out in faith to do this new mission, uh, fundraising and all that kind of thing, it's all, it's just an interesting part. So it really is about obeying what he wants to do, even when, when you don't understand it. So we started off April the 5th in our Buick Enclave. <laughs> it had 64,000, 65,000 miles on it, 66,000 miles. I noted the other day it had about 87,000 plus miles on it now. We've only been gone since April the 5th. 20,000 miles. 20,000. That's a lot of miles. When you start to look at it, am I going to obey? Or are we going to obey and just go? Even when I don't understand, why, why can't we just go to places that here three miles, okay, there an hour, here four miles, and all that. I like looking 66 when I'm 67. Just a side note, I was at the gym the other day, and a guy said, Reverend, how old are you now? I said, I'm going to be 70 pretty soon. He said, man, you look great. I said, that's all I wanted to hear. I'm 67. First <laughs> Samuel 15, 22. So Samuel said, has the Lord... As, uh, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to, be, to obey is better than sacrifice, 
and to, and to heed than the fat of the ram. I forget sometimes that I try to make up in sacrifice what I miss in obedience. When we, get, when we stop obeying, when we stop doing what he calls, that's where the misunderstanding or the lack of understanding comes. He is not have it your way, God. He's not going to try to do it. He puts us in a body of believers. He plants us there to grow. He puts us where we need to be alive and well in what he wants to do. I catch myself exaggerating my difficulties with people, with things that take place, with time, with what's going on. I catch myself exaggerating. It's not really that way. God, it could be this way. Oh, God's going to, do you catch yourself exaggerating? Fear comes when we get a negative attitude. How many of y'all, has anybody had a bad attitude the last week? Just a bad attitude, got gnarly. I'm 67, I can say this stuff now. Anybody got gnarly? <clears throat> Thank you. you. You know, you eat a snack tonight, you're not going to gain any weight. So God's going to really help you. <laughs> I can't even ever see Pastor Rhonda being gnarly. Now, the other one. <laughs> Faith is forgiving when you don't want to, to do the right thing. We will all come upon these Red Sea experiences. I think about going through the Red Sea. I see a wall of water. I wonder if the fish was, for some reason, just going here. I do have a question when I, go to, when I get to heaven to ask uh, Noah and ask the Lord, whoever gets to me first, as I want to ask him a question. You asked everything, two of each kind, to get on the ship. How come you didn't kill that first group of mosquitoes? I just hate mosquitoes. <laughs> well, since I don't like little things bugging me like that, he made sure they come along in the right season of life. Have you been there? That's a whole lot of little things that can bug us. I remember the pastor that I was working with. He's very seasoned. I was 28 years old, took a church. It was about 100 or so. 75% of the people were older than me, be my parent, grandparent, or great-grandparent. The lady who played the piano was in her 90s, and there was no moving her off the bench. And, but the good thing about it is she had a, such an anointing and an ability that was phenomenal beyond what you could think. So God rescued me on that one. But Brother Redmond came home, and he said, what's going on? Now I'm going to tell him myself. And I said to him, Brother Redmond, there's a couple of families that really just aggravate the daylights out of me. Don't worry, there's nobody in here like that. And I said to him, they probably just need to move on. Faith is obeying when you don't understand it. I don't understand why I got them, I told him. He said to me, I don't blame you. He said, but here's the thing. If you, if you run them off or you ask them to leave, this is what happens. This is the way God does it. He will send two, three, five, or six families just like them. <laughs> because there's something in you that needs to be worked out. He said, my, he said, my dear friend, he was old then. He was like 58 at that time or something like that. He said, my dear friend, there's an attitude in you that needs to be worked on, not them. Let God work on them, and you work on you. That was worth your trip out here tonight. <laughs> Faith is forgiving when I don't want to. I met a man by the name of uh, Edwin Lewis Cole. He shaped a part of my life that I never really understood, and he said this. I asked him, I have one question to ask you. 
And he said, yes, what is it? I said, what's one thing you could do to help me the rest of my life? I was about 40 years old. He, without hesitation, with a group of guys there, he's written a bunch of books. He's now gone on to be with the Lord. And he said, my dear friend, when we don't forgive someone, we make ourselves greater than God because God forgives. And he walked away. That has stayed in my spirit forever. When I don't forgive, I make myself greater than God. God forgives. When we look at this thought about obey, it really comes down to the difference between God doing above and beyond in our life is obedience. Number three, giving when I don't have it. Giving faith to a, God gives us the faith to give. Here's two ways we give. One is, how much can I afford to give? The second question I ask myself is, how much does God want me to give? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. For by faith, Abel was, what's that word? Commanded. Commanded as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. Here we have these two guys, Cain and Abel. Abel gave greatly. Cain gave leftovers. Right? I get those two mixed up because I don't know. I want to be like the one who gave more. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 23 says, Out of extreme poverty welled up riches, rich generosity. They gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. It's easy to give when it's there. It's tough to give when it's not there. But that's when giving becomes the best stewardship. When we look back and say, if I, I should have spent this money different because God gave me more than I steward just right. When we look at this, you see, faith is giving when I don't have it. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 and 10. Will a man rob God? You yet have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And you tithe an offering. You're a curse with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation, being all, bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pull you out a blessing as you've never seen before, you won't have enough room to keep it. Give when I don't have it. The test of stewardship. Four, faith is persisting when I don't feel like it. How many of y'all have ever come to church uh, and didn't feel like it? I'm going to raise my hand. I have. When I first got saved, I went to a church that had about uh, 50 members in it on Sunday morning. And Sunday night service, there was 49, and all 49 of us was praying that God would protect the one that didn't make it. Remember those good old days? But it really becomes this persistence within our life that whether we feel like it or not, if it feels good, do it is probably the most immature way to make decisions in our life because there's no growth involved with it. Lack of feeling does not change God, and it doesn't change his will for us. Persistence, even when I don't feel like it. Hebrews chapter eleven twenty seven, by faith he forsook Egypt, no uh, no fearing, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. We see this whole pain, this whole moving, the children of Israel out of Egypt, 
Let me give you the thought that I've captured in my own soul is this. The children of Israel left, however many they were following Moses. Here he goes across the desert. He took them to the, he took them to the desert. He was taking them to the desert. They knew it from the beginning. And then they complained. At first they were saying, God bless Moses, what a great guy. Then he get out in the middle of the desert. God killed Moses, let us go back to Egypt. <clears throat> you, we can catch ourselves going by, back to Egypt. Keep in mind, faith is persistent when I don't feel like it. We can catch ourselves wanting to go back to Egypt. Why? Because the pain was predictable. We go back to things that God is trying to remove from our life, grow us up in, change us, pinpoint, get us when we're discouraged and we feel disappointed, we feel left out and we have all those feelings. He's trying to do that. We end up going backwards because the pain is predictable. You see, sometimes... This not living with the pain makes us feel like maybe God left us when really he is literally paving the road for our future. When we look at this challenge, being persistent, successful people or people who really do what they're called to do or people that uh, deal with their feelings, that do what they're supposed to do in a consistent way. Keep a prayer life. Keep a Bible life. Let's have a transparent uh, confession here. How many of y'all started reading the Bible this year? I'm going to raise my hand, and I've started and stopped four times. You know that, read the Bible here, anybody besides me? There is a few Christians here. And uh, it became a thing where we refuse. We can only accomplish the impossible when we see God. I want Pam to come talk about thanking God before we receive it. This is her. You get the hand out. Thanks. Point number five, and we're talking about the heroes of faith. It's thanking God before I receive it. And we're looking at Hebrews 11, chapter 30. It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were in circle for seven days. Now, I've been thinking about this. And the heroes of faith, who are the heroes of faith here? Y'all just think about this for a second. Okay, so Joshua goes and he tells the Israelites, okay, we need the walls of Jericho to come down. And this is what I want you to do. You're going to march around the walls of Jericho and you're going to do that for six days. And here's the key. Do y'all remember what he said? You cannot say a word. Maybe that's the reason why they became heroes, because they could keep their mouth shut for six days without complaining. Y'all hear me? I do believe that sometimes we slow down receiving what God has for us because of this old thing right here. We talk in doubt. We talk and we complain. We talk, we talk, we talk. You, the, again, the scripture says they marched around for six days and did not say a word. And then on the seventh day, what they do? They shouted. They shouted. And what happened? The walls came down. The walls came down. And I'm just going to encourage you to think about that. Don't let the words of your mouth, when God is saying, 
you be quiet. You be quiet. I got this. I got this under control. You just hush and you trust me. You trust me. Back when uh, Hal and I, the, the Lord laid this on our heart to start this ministry, it's called Minister to Minister. And we have been pastoring Grace Church for 38 years. My background is an educator, so I taught high school for a number of years, did some administration, this, that, and the other. And I was working at the church, so I just want you to follow my thoughts here, all the things that I was thinking. We were steady. We were settled for 38 years, we were settled. You know how that feels when you find your, your perfect pew and you just kind of wiggle in there and you're settled. Okay, that's what we were. And God began laying on our hearts to turn Grace Church over to make go for the next season of our life. People have been saying, are y'all retired? We are not retired. As Hal says, retired means when you take your vehicle up to Walmart and you buy four of them and they put them on. We are not retired. We are retreaded. Okay, that's what we've come to say. But anyway, so all of this began to weigh on me. Uh, I I began thinking, how are we going to do this? We're not going to have a paycheck anymore. So we have to raise funds, da 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 And the enemy wants to come in like a flood and cause you anxiousness and fear, and you just have to speak against that. And when I was began, the Lord laid something on my heart, and this is what he said to me. This is all I got. He didn't say that. I'm just saying that. He said, Pam... I'm going to do what no man can do. That's what he said to me. And I would begin to be anxious and start thinking about this. And you know what, he, Pam? I'm going to do what no man can do. In other words, girl, it's not left up to you. It's not left up to how. It's not left up to anybody. I'm going to take care of this. Pam, I'm going to do what no man can do. So, uh... April came, April came, and the Lord blessed us, our church blessed us with a sabbatical, and we ended up on the island of Bermuda. And it was a Sunday morning. We were actually on a cruise, and we were on, on Bermuda, and there was a, uh, a beach that I wanted to go see. So we walked over to this beach. It's a mile and a half, a couple miles over there. And when we got there, there was a beautiful church just sitting right across the parking lot. It was gorgeous. So we went up there and we read the sign. If you could put that first picture up there for me, it was called the Breath of Life Ministries. And you can see their service time was 10.30 a.m. Well, the ship left at noon and we kept watching at 10. They were on island time, baby. Uh, At 10.30, they still were not there, but they showed up at 10.31. So I, we walked over over there, we thought, let's go over there and see if we can go to service with them. So we walk over there and we begin talking to this lady who was outside, opened up all the doors and everything. And 
we began talking to her and we were talking about wanting to come to service and she was telling about the service time and she said their worship service lasted an hour and a half and so we were thinking this would be good but we are going to totally miss the ship if we do that so she says so we don't say we were not telling her much of anything except that we wanted to come to service and we got ready to go and she said before you go can I pray for y'all absolutely can you come help me for just a second absolutely so we joined hand with her out in front of this beautiful little church and she began to pray and Hal and I were standing there with our eyes closed and she began to pray oh God God you are gonna do what no man can do Hal and I both our eyes popped open and I'm like, whoa, okay, that was, that was a word from God. Then she continued on and she said, and God, you are going to open doors that they don't even know that they should be praying should be open. And she continued on and I cannot tell you the encouragement that I received and I walked away with tears rolling down my eyes. And I said, God, you are going to do what no man can do. That lady had no idea, but yet you placed in her heart the things to speak to us just to let us know you know exactly where we are. Guys, we have to thank God before we ever receive it, before we can ever even see it. Mark eleven twenty four says, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. I'm going to ask you right now, are there some things that you've been praying for and maybe you haven't received it yet? We got to thank him. If you're praying for something and you have, I just want you to raise your hand right now. And I just want you to say thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for restoration. Thank you for restoration of that marriage. Thank you for healing. Thank you for the finances that I don't see it in my bank account right now, but I know you're going to bring it. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for directing me. Thank you, Father. I trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail. He will never fail. You know, guys... That's the answer right there. Scripture tells us when to sing songs and hymns and worship him. When you don't see it, when you don't understand it, when you're having to obey, when you're trusting in faith, believing. The answer is when you can't get it right here, 
when you can't get it up here and you can't make it all work and you can't figure it out and you just can't see it, it's no one right here. Why don't you stand with us? And Hal's going to come finish this last point. But we're going to worship him and we're going to praise him. And we're going to trust. And we're going to obey. And we're going to believe. The last one is trust if I don't get it. When you think about, he closes out the whole book in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 35. And he says this, women received their dead, raised from to life again. Others were torn, torn, tortured, and others accepted, no one accepted deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others were in trial and marking, mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains of imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sewn asunder, sewn in two. They were tempted, they were, uh, they were, they were slain by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins, goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in the deserts and the mountains and the dens and the caves and the earth and all these have obtained a good testimony without faith, with faith, through faith, did not receive their promise. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect without us. We're going to close out our service, close out this time for a few minutes as they're going to play a song. And Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 says, For this reason, we bow our knees. We bow our knees to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This last challenge, trusting even I don't get it, praise is for the gift. Worship is for the giver of the gift, whether he gives us another gift or not. We're still going to worship him. I want to encourage us to come gather around, find a place to kneel if you're physically able to. And it talks about in Ephesians with both knees down, if you're able. Let's come now in Jesus' name because it is about obeying, believing, giving, persisting, thanking, trusting. Let's come before Pastor closes us out. Let's come find a place to pray. Come on, let's sing it. Never fail. I trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail. He will never fail. I trust in God, my Savior. 